What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hello and welcome to the Miracle Mama podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ebony Ford, and I have a treat for you today. On this last day of February, it's Heart Month, and I have an amazing Heart Mama here with me. I can't wait for her to share her and her little angel story. So guys, welcome to my show, Tia Gravely. Tia, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good this morning. How are you? I am great. I am great. And I'm so excited you're able to come on and share your story with us. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a bit about you uh, as well as your son. Okay. Um, So my name is Tia Gravely, as she mentioned, and um, I am a chemist slash cosmetologist slash credit repair slash everything like cosmetic chemist, customer service rep, Um, newly married living here in Columbus, Ohio, born in Detroit, raised in Dayton. Um, I'm still a mother of one. However, he has moved on um, to another life two years ago um, to date. So um, my baby's name is Gavin Wilson, Gavin Emmanuel Wilson. And he was really sick when he was born, um, which ended up causing him to have coronary artery disease. He was born with hypoplastic hypoplastic heart syndrome, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, um, which is where the left atrium doesn't completely develop. But um, if you've seen him or if you knew him, you would have no idea. Like he was the show, he was the life of the party. He was charismatic, smart, I mean, just a beautiful kid through and through. And I truly feel like he has fulfilled God's purpose for him on earth. So I find peace in that. Amazing. And absolutely, you're keeping his legacy alive through sharing his story on platforms like this and some of the other amazing things that I know you're going to do. And we'll happen to that a bit later. But tell us about your pregnancy with Gavin. Uh, Was it uneventful tell us about his birth and uh, how you guys knew that something was wrong with his heart well when I found out I was pregnant um we were elated um you know going we were both it was both of our first child however you know I had to tell my partner that it wasn't theirs we broke up and You know, I have been with someone else, so I'm very truthful and transparent, and I just had to tell them, like, hey, there's a possibility um, that this child is not yours. So um, when it was time to figure out if it was a boy or a girl, we went to get the 
ultrasound and instead of them like telling me, oh, it's a boy or, oh, it's a girl, they said, oh, you know, we'll have to send you to Miami Valley. At the time I was at Good Samaritan because I planned on having a water birth. And that's when I found out he had the hypoplastic left heart syndrome. And so that day became very drawn out. It went from going to get a simple ultrasound with the plans of going back to the salon to work and turned into a whole day full of appointments and consultations and doctors explaining what the condition was and telling me how his life would be a little difficult with a lot of hospitalization and surgeries and you know, dedication to his care. And they looked at me and they said, what do you want to do? And I said, I do everything that you need to do to save my baby's life. I mean, it was even one point I got an amniocentesis to check his chromosome to see his chromosomes to see if he had like a chromosome disorder, which um, could cause the baby not to live long outside of the womb. And you know, they said, well, if he does have this, then we recommend an abortion. And I said, no, because I believe you give that baby a fighting chance. Um, so nonetheless, after finding out about his condition, the pregnancy was very stressful. I was very depressed. I was very sad. I cried often. Um, although I worked in a salon, um, and my boyfriend at the time, he decided to stay together. He decided to still be there for us, but it was bittersweet. He was really hurt by the fact that, you know, when we were broken up, that I had relations with someone else and could potentially be pregnant with their child and, you know, us not knowing. So that was stressful for him on his part as well. And he wasn't the best at the time, but he did take care of us, you know, in a sense of financially. And, you know, um, I guess physically, you know, making sure that I was as healthy as I could be, but mentally and emotionally, it was terrible. Um, yeah. Um, and when I was in my third trimester, apparently my, my um, amniotic fluid was very low. So they put me on bed rest. And that was hard. <laughs> Um, because I'm really, um, I guess you can call me an adrenaline junkie. Like I just have to always do something, but nonetheless, um, on bed rest, I watched all of the videos about water birth, C-sections, natural birth, um, you know, uh, the paralytics that they have, you know, and everything. And it was torture, but, um, we went into the hospital on September 11th at 7 a.m. for my scheduled induction. And the room was really theatrical or festive, I guess you could say. We were in there eating chicken <laughs> and playing cards, watching movies, like my cousins, uh, my closest friends, my mom and my boyfriend. From time to time, he was working. Um, but it got to a point where they were worried about the baby's heart rate, considering his condition, um, and they wanted to do a C-section. Now, mind you, throughout the pregnancy, at least two to three times a week, and sometimes four times a week, I'm getting labs done. I was getting ultrasounds um, and doctor's appointments. It was like a lot. And I worked maybe three days a week doing hair, which was okay. Um, so yeah, um, at about 
let's see, about 3 p.m. on September 12th. My water broke in the middle of the night, September 12th. So that night, and then the next day at approximately 3 p.m., they said, hey, you need this um, paralytic, you know, you need the, um, you need to get an, um, why is it numb in my brain right now? Help me out, help me out, Ebony. The, um, you talking about the epidural? The epidural, thank you, yeah, oh my goodness. <laughs> and I was so sad about it. I did not want that epidural. Like our goal that day was to have a natural birth. That was the goal. So I hadn't cried. I made it to five centimeters, no crying. I just told everybody in the room to shut up while I went through my contractions, which to me felt like my extreme period cramps because I have um, intense menstruals. So that's all it felt like to me. So I was kind of used to it, but then I would tell everybody to shut up. And then when it was over, we went back to doing what we were doing. But again, as they found out the baby's heart rate was dropping, they did the epidural. And I, that's when I cried. That's when I was sad. Um, I didn't want to be an experiment. And you know, it's scary. You're having a baby who is being born into the world with a heart defect and you just want the best for them. And I didn't want to miss our moment of him laying on my chest, having skin to skin, you know, really having that moment because I would be knocked out after the surgery. Nonetheless, we um, went into the operating room. I could smell my skin burning. It was really, really different. Um, a lot of pressure. And they pulled out this baby. He was quiet. He was really odd looking, if that's a way to say it, because you see it on TV and they pull these babies out and they're all red and you think it's just blood on them. No, that is not the experience, okay? He was bought, he, his body was still smushed together, I guess you could say, in the in this fetal position where his legs were literally stuck to his chest and his arms were stuck, you know, together. And he was really purple and white. Um, and I was like, why does he look like that? You know, and they're like, that's the amniotic fluid. And I'm like, well, why isn't he crying? You know, I started panicking and um, he started crying and I cried and I was so happy. Like that was the most beautiful sound. Um, yeah. And from that day I was in love. Like I was so in love, still I'm in love. I miss my baby so much. So, so much. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, that moment is such a precious moment, but I, I know that having in the back of your mind that although we're in this moment, that's so beautiful. My baby's just coming to the world. You knew ahead of time that your baby had quite a few challenges ahead. So tell us what his NICU journey was like and all of the different things that you guys had to endure. Wow, so, okay. Now, mind you, when he's born, he's perfect. And it made me second guess all the decisions that I had made at that point um, to move forward with him having the series of, three series of heart surgeries that were necessary considering the hypoplastic left heart syndrome. So when he first went to NICU, they had to continuously keep him on a progesterone drip in order to keep his valves open in his left atrium um, 
because the progesterone that I typically would provide for him during pregnancy is what would keep the valve open and keep his heart um, functioning as if he were still in the womb. And then after they're born, there's a particular valve that closes. And um, so the progesterone helps keep that open. So that was all he had in NICU. And he was so tiny. He was four pounds, 10 ounces. And he had these big lips. Oh my goodness, they were so kissable. He was so cute. I mean, and he had really detailed features. Like he looked like a little man. He was the cutest baby. Um, he really was. And so first time seeing him, I wanted to know everything about what they were doing what were the drips? And at the time it was just like his food, saline and the progesterone. I gave him his first bath and then he was transported um, to Cincinnati Children's from Miami Valley. Um, that was very stressful. Imagine you're, you just had a C-section, you're in the bed, they're telling you, you can't be discharged, but your baby is on their way to Cincinnati. You're a first time mom having to have these first time experiences along with the trauma of them cutting your child open, you know, very, very stressful. Um, so I got, I convinced them to let me go early with the assistance of my then boyfriend um, and with the agreement that I would sit in a wheelchair and just so I could be close to him and pump and everything. So when we got to Cincinnati, he was still on the same medications. He had his first open heart surgery. Um, and uh, which was the Glenn. And um, when he came out of surgery, I mean, oh, I mean, he's a little button first off, you know, he's so tiny and they just got him laid out and, you know, tied down so he doesn't grab anything or it doesn't move. And they have all these IVs connected to him. It's kind of, it's very devastating. Um, but again, before I could, throughout his journey in the hospital, before I can ever feel any type of emotion, I needed to know what they were doing, everything they were doing, like what is everything? What is this line? What is this monitor? You know, what's this on his head? Like just everything. So they broke down everything to me, um, you know, his FBs and his food, how he was getting his nutrition and his blood pressure medication and everything like that. And they had his chest still open with like a film over top of it. Like literally I could touch his heart because they didn't want to close his chest with the swelling and, you know, cause tension on his sternum or um, cause fluid buildup. Um, so his chest was open for the first two or three days after surgery and then they closed it, which was a simple procedure, but after that, I mean, literally, we were in the hospital for maybe like two, three months, if that, if that, like two months, a couple weeks, um, and we were home. Uh, it was the hospital. They were amazing. I had visit, visited them at Cincinnati Children's while I was pregnant just to view their um, program and what they had to offer and to make sure that I felt comfortable with my child's care being there. Um, but they were great. Besides, there's always an exception to the rule. They were great, but when I was at Miami Valley and the baby had went to Cincinnati, there was a nurse who was really snippy with me. I asked her to take pictures for me. And she was like, 
well, I mean, how am I supposed to do that? I mean, we don't take pictures of babies. Like, what do you want me to do? Use my phone? I can't do that. Like, she was just nasty. So imagine, I have all of these raging hormones. I just gave birth. I've been separated from my child. He's going to have to undergo surgery in a couple of days. He his sur- he was born on the 12th. His surgery was on the 17th. Um, I'm already in this, you know, strained relationship. And this woman got nasty with me and she's supposed to care for my child. I think not. I lost it. And I called them. I said, you get that nurse out of my baby's room. She is not allowed to touch him. She is not allowed to care for him anymore while he is at the hospital. And I didn't even take the time to try to figure her name out or anything. They just reassured me that she would be gone. And when I get there, um, there's a program they have called Child Life where they do come and take the pictures, which I knew for a fact because they told me that. And, you know, it's their job. And they took pictures and made posters. So after that, it was a better experience. I won't say great, because again, it was still stressful and depressing, but it was definitely a better experience. So I know going through that first surgery had to be very, very traumatic, but knowing what I know of Gavin's story, that was just one of many. Tell us what the subsequent surgeries and appointments, tell us all about what that was like with him being, you know, a small child, a a toddler, even from the beginning, um, experiencing all of these issues. What was that like for you and how did Gavin take that in stride? Well, um, initially, um, for me, it was stressful the entire time. It was very depressing. I had to see a therapist. Of course, we go through postpartum. But for Gavin, you know, children are so resilient. (laughs) They are so resilient. So it was like a cakewalk. He literally, I mean, it was like nothing faced him. And I had to count the other day throughout his life of six years, or basically seven, he passed a month before his birthday. He had a series of nine open heart surgeries. Nine. Um, he had the three surgeries that you automatically get with the, you know, if your parent agrees to have it with the condition that he had. And then he had a heart attack. Um, and then they went in to remove skin that was surrounding his heart because it was um, constricting his heart and keeping it from expanding and, um, you know, releasing and contracting properly. That was the fourth one. Then he had a heart attack after that and had to be hooked up to ECMO. Um, Then after ECMO, they hooked him up to a machine called the LVAD, which continuously cycles his blood throughout his body for him. That was a heart surgery because they had to put these straws into his chest, into his heart chambers to literally do the work of his heart. And then they switched him to the Berlin heart, which actually pumped instead of cycled. Um, That wasn't an open heart surgery. That was just switching the machine. Then after that, to get off of the Berlin and to get his heart transplant, because now at this point, we're on the transplant list. That was a surgery. Um, that surgery didn't go, it went well. Everything went well 
until about a year later and he ended up with congenital heart failure and had to get a, get on the list for another heart transplant. It was just like so many surgeries. Um, but each time he was so strong and I really worked hard with him. Anybody to tell you, I was kind of tough on Gavin, you know, because I truly believe when you have a child that has um, special needs, if they don't have anything else, any of their limbs or, you know, unable to move their body, if they have their mind, that's half the battle. And I truly believe that I needed to make sure that he was very strong mentally in order to succeed in this world. I didn't want him to look at himself as a cripple, you know, um, cause he was very smart and intelligent and, you know, they kept telling me, oh, he's going to be delayed. He's not going to be able to keep up with the rest of the children in his class and the lies they tell. <laughs> okay. Because he was there, he was right there with them. And at some points beyond them. So, um, he would get his shots, you know, uh, or get his blood drawn like a champion. Um, I mean, kids are just resilient. He would come out of surgery when he woke up. You know, he'll ask for his favorite food. At one point, it was crab legs. Another point, it was mushrooms. And, you know, those will be some of the first things that came out of his mouth, you know. So it was that was always a gift for me, you know, to see him go through so much and still have a smile on his face, still be rambunctious and, you know, want to play and live life and just so, so, so much character still and so much love for people. Gavin loved people. Um, so his experience to me was just, it was resilience. He, he had a comeback that every time it was better and better and better. I mean, every time. So that would be my explanation for it. You're so right when you say that children are very resilient. I've seen it in my own daughter's life. <clears throat> She's been through some things that I'm just like, how are you still smiling? How are you, how are you doing this? <laughs> you know, me as your mom, I'm falling apart, but it's you in the hospital bed. You know, it's you experiencing these things and they just have an amazing strength um, about them that is just so 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 beautiful to watch um, having a child who is a people person who is charismatic definitely helps the experience um, helps you through some of the tougher moments and your son was very intuitive uh, tell us about the encounters that he began to have shortly before his life ended wow well um it's mind-blowing uh first off just to paint a picture of what type of child he was he would watch open heart surgeries on youtube anytime he had to go get a heart catheterization which is where they put the um um basically like an iv or straw through your groin through your artery up to your heart to check the pressures of your heart. He had to always get those on a regular. He will watch a video on YouTube about that just to see what they were doing to him. And um, when he was on ECMO, which is basically life support, um, and he was able to come to a little bit, 
I asked him, I said, Gavin, do you want to go be with Jesus or do you want to stay with mommy? And he pointed at me and said me. And I said, okay, because at that point it was a hard decision. Like, do I keep, you know, allowing them to do these things to my child or do we let him go? But as long as he's fighting, I'm going to fight, you know, so just to paint a picture of how strong he was and how his intellectual um, status was. Well, in the last days of his life, he would be in his room playing, talking. Now all kids have like an imaginary friend, right? No, Gavin was talking to Jesus. And that's specifically what he would say to me. I'll be in the living room watching TV, cooking, whatever I'm doing. And I'll hear him talking. I'll say, Gavin, who are you talking to? Because he'll have a full-blown conversation. Who are you talking to? Oh, I'm in here playing with Jesus. I mean, of course, I look in the room, but what can I say? I, I couldn't see him. I just say, well, tell him I said, what's up? <laughs> you know, like, you know, thank, thank him for being here with us. You know, what can I say? Um, so that was, it was comforting. But it was also devastating because, you know, the time was near and I had to start having those conversations on a regular with family and friends about how, you know, we don't know the the hour, the time, nor the hour. We don't know when it's going to happen, but the doctors have told us this catastrophic event is going to happen. Well, the last day that I saw my baby conscious and well, we were on our way. We were in the process of moving to Columbus. And he wanted to go to this birthday party so bad, his cousin's birthday party. And at first I'm like, Gavin, we're not going like, you know, mommy's tired. I work third shift. We're moving. We're driving from Cincinnati to Columbus all day, trying to move our furniture. Oh, he had the saddest look on his face. I mean, broke my heart. I said, okay, Gavin. Okay. 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 Mommy's going to figure it out. <laughs> okay. And so after that, he wiped his tears. It was that silent cry where you could really feel the energy. His heart was so broken. And after that, he got happy again. And he was looking out the window and he said, mom, look. And I said, what am I looking at? It's Jesus. It's Jesus up there. I said, you see him? He said, yeah. I said, tell him I said, what's up? These moments made me cry. Because although I found comfort in knowing that he was um, being washed over by the son of God, I still at times knew that, you know, his time was coming to, to go with him. And that's scary. That's a scary experience. Very scary. Um, but comforting at once. It's bittersweet, you know. Ooh, I get chills listening to that because it was as beautiful as it was it was also ominous take us to that birthday party that he so badly wanted to go to tell us about that well Gavin, yeah, i dropped gavin off in eaton ohio at the nissan dealership on 35 to um his cousin and he was so happy I mean, he was smelling ear to ear. And I said, you be a good boy and I love you and you have fun and was telling her, you know, how he needed to eat. I think it was really early in the morning, like probably 9 a.m. I think he only had a smoothie at that point and some water. Um, he was happy, okay. 
So he gets to the party, you know, I'm talking to the family and telling them what his medications are, um, you know, and they're on top of it, taking pictures, telling me how he's having fun. So I, I feel comfortable. You know, these are people who, they're my friends. They've been around Gavin his entire life. They have multiple children and, you know, know how to care for children and know how serious his condition is. So I felt very comfortable. So I go to sleep and wake up and we go to the grocery store. My, at the time, my boyfriend, now husband and I, and we get this phone call um, that says that Gavin passed out and he's not responding. And so from the grocery store, we have on our house clothes, not pajamas, but just lounge clothes. We get straight on the highway and head to Dayton, Ohio. That's where the birthday party was. And we're doing a hundred in a suburban on the highway. We get pulled over by the police and I'm like literally yelling at the officer saying, my son is dying and you have pulled us over and I need to get to him. And the longer that we stand here and talk to you, the minutes I am losing from being with him. And mind you, my friends are calling me constantly because they really don't know what to do. They know CPR, but yeah. So to get a rundown of the birthday party, uh, mind you, they discovered coronary artery disease after him having his second heart transplant, which we knew that the odds were 50-50 for him to survive past five years. They said if he were to survive past five years, there's a 50% chance. And in that case, if his heart were to fail after five years, he would qualify for another heart transplant. However, if his heart were to fail prior to the five years, he would not quali qualify and they can only do um, invasive or intervening procedures until it, you know, as, as long as it were, were healthy. And with his last catheterization, it was not healthy. He almost had a cardiac arrest. And um, that's when they found the coronary artery disease and said there wasn't anything else that they could do. His veins were damaged and they didn't want to continue to intervene. So they said that at some point he will have a heart attack and this will be his last heart attack and he will eventually die. But I know a God, so I hung on to my faith and spoke life into him. And we lived our life like a day to day. We went to Disney World, make a wish, everything, all that, okay? So here we are, That they told us that in December, we're in August, you know? So I'm feeling kind of comfortable, Not again, not that I don't think about it every day, but feeling comfortable. My friends tell me at the birthday party, Gavin strips all of his clothes off. It's a pool party at the hotel. He strips all of his clothes off and puts his toe in the swimming pool and says, oh, yeah, no, I'm not getting in there. And they're like, Gavin, but why did you take off all of your clothes? You know, this is the character he was, okay? And um, they said that he was eating. I mean, I got a video of him and he's got a Nerf gun because he know I do not allow guns, especially with the things that are going on in society today. No toy guns. We are only, we are a serious gun family Um Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With that, and I explained guns to him, and I was actually going to take him to the gun range before he passed um, for that birthday um, when he passed. But he's so he's definitely being rambunctious in this moment, enjoying himself. Like, I got a gun, I got my nerf. He had a Nerf headband on and I got this video where he dancing and he just waving a gun and, you know, just having a good time with his friends and his cousins, you know, and they took pictures. They said he ate hot dogs. He drank all the juice he could get his hands on because I was a health fanatic with him because of his condition. You know, no high fructose corn syrup. You know, I really try to keep him away from sugar. So, of course, he's there soaking up all the juice, you know, and they say he ate a hot dog. He ate chips candy he enjoyed himself you know he had the situation where he stuck his toe in the pool and then when the party was over he was with his older cousin she was at the time um probably 15 um and she had the children and she was taking them from downstairs up to the room um while the parents cleaned up and got the food and everything well when they were getting off the elevator Gavin fell out on his face, um, he fell out. And uh, so she called their, her mother's and father and told them what happened. So they were running to get to him, right? And there was this janitor at the hotel. I was, it was so, everything happened so fast. I don't even remember what hotel it was. And he was, they were banging on the door, telling him to hurry up and come so they can get to Gavin. And they said, he took his precious time. Now, you know, when you have a heart attack, every second counts. Every second counts. So this man, they said he walked as slow as possible, considering the fact that they were rushing him so much, like he was being, you know, funny, arrogant, you know, and so they just brushed past him and ran into Gavin and started doing CPR. And um, the ambulance came and he was in the ambulance. They got a pulse. It was hard to stick him because imagine, you know, six years of being poked, his veins were pretty, you know, shot up. Um, so they ended up sticking him with, it was a, I've never seen it before besides this time, but it was like a bone marrow type of um, intervention for Ivy. Never seen anything like this. Um, so that was the day. Um, that was that was the party, you know. Um, yeah. So you get to the hospital and you see your son, what's going through your mind? Um, it, this is it. I, you know, a long time ago, my dad kind of told me you have to be happy with 
my dad told me you have to be happy with whatever decision God makes for Gavin's life. You have to come to grips with that. And it's better to do it now than later. And I got out the car or the truck and I literally buckled. I felt like my legs were so weak. I passed out in the truck several times on the way. And um, when I saw him, again, when I get every time I get in there, I'm like, tell me everything. What is everything you have? What is it? Explain it to me. And they're explaining to me like they got a pulse, you know. It, it's my heart was just broken because I, I felt like this was it. And at this, I didn't have any more in me to fight, you know? And Gavin's told me, Gavin told me when he was watching those YouTube videos, don't let them do that to me no more, mom. Don't let them do this to me anymore. So dating children's, you know, God bless them, but they, you know, when you get used to uh, A1 care, dating children's is not it okay I'm sorry that was just my experience um from coming from Cincinnati children's and them specializing in cardiovascular care so he they care flighted him to Cincinnati and Cincinnati got everything stabilized the way that we were used to and you know everybody loved Gavin mind you he's such a character I mean the staff all the way from the chief of cardiology to the PCA and the janitorial staff. Everybody knew and loved Gavin, okay? So this time, everybody's coming up to me saying how sorry they are. Everybody's coming past his room to see him. And it just furthermore made me feel like this is it. But then you had others who were like, well, you know, Gavin, he pulls his events and he he always pulls through, you know? So, you know, trying to keep hope alive, you know, doctors, they have a certain type of, uh, I don't know, protocol to follow to make you feel comfortable. And I'm like, you don't have to do that, you know? But it was great to have a little bit of hope and faith. And um, yeah, so the I felt like that was it I felt like this was it my baby doesn't want to go through any more surgeries if they even talk about his quality of life not being the same or close to it then I can't allow them to do anything to him because that was his wishes that was his wish so I can't imagine being in a moment where I've watched my child talk and converse with Jesus, literally experiencing, it seems like Jesus was literally comforting him in those moments to come so that he would not be afraid when the time came. When that moment came, what did you feel? Would you say, and I know that your heart had to be breaking. I can, I can literally feel 
your heart breaking through just your voice. I can hear it in your voice. And you are some time removed. So that moment, I can only imagine the duality of emotion, you know, feeling like, you know, okay, you know, my baby's at peace. This is what he wanted, but also feeling like this is not fair. Um, tell us how you felt in those last moments with him and what his last moments were like. Um, in those last moments with him, I was numb. I was numb. And it was so many times I would pray, God, if you're going to take him, take him, stop, don't. First of all, I didn't want to be there, and I wasn't to see him pass out like that. I, I don't know how that would have affected my life or impacted me any worse than him passing. Um, but we were there. He was stable but the machines were doing all the work for him. Um, so I was numb. I was so used to being in a hospital, so used to all the medications, so used to knowing what monitors saying what, so used to, um, you know, taking care of him and changing his dress. Like I was so used, I was numb. I had no feelings. I had no feelings. My heart was taken from me. I couldn't, I couldn't feel. And I still held on, you know, praying that God will work a miracle. But knowing that if this story goes any way besides up, I have to let him go. You know, and my mom came to visit and um, his teachers, you know, and they were bringing me food. Now, I'll tell you what I do, what me and Gavin did in these moments when he would be in the hospital, when people offer us food, oh, we asked for food. We wanted crab legs. We wanted steaks. Gavin wanted his mushrooms or, you know, his chicken fingers or whatever it was that he wanted. They say they want to feed us. We get food. Okay. And um, his teacher said, you can have anything you want. I said, can you bring me some crab legs, please? <laughs> That's my comfort food, you know. But, um, and I was hoping that maybe the smell of them would help him, like, you know, maybe bring him too. But they were doing um, monitor, monitoring his brain activity. They had the probes on his head where they monitored his brain activity to see when he was having seizures, if he, he had any brain activity on his own. And basically he did not he was having seizures and um, then there was no brain activity for about 24 hours. And, um, you know, when your body goes without oxygen for so long, that's the chances that come with it. Um, and um, they were checking his lactic acid or like his gases, you know, in the CICU. And it was about four o'clock in the morning. My, at the time, boyfriend, now husband, he had went home to change clothes and get us some clothes and uh, would be back in the morning. So I was there alone. And the respiratory therapist who was checking his gases said his lactic acid is increasing severely, which is saying that his body is releasing toxins and he's preparing to pass away it's time for you to call your family. Um, 
I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I cried, you know, but I just pray for a miracle. You know, I pray for a miracle. Um, I called everybody I could, my mom, my dad, my boyfriend, everybody was asleep. Nobody was hearing their phone. Um, I called his principal and she answered the phone at 4 a.m. So she was able to make it there and be with me in that moment. And then uh, she came at 4 a.m. Uh, from Parker Woods, Montessori, Whitney, that's my sis, love her forever. You know, and she was there. She said, you know, she lost her, um, a few of her family members that were really, really close to her. And uh, so she has some experience and, uh, you know, she says she doesn't know what it's like to lose a child, but this is your baby and it's what you wanted. You know, she gave me some kind words in that moment. And then eventually sun came up and everybody started pouring in and, you know, our friends and family, my mom, my boyfriend, his dad was incarcerated, unfortunately, so he could only be on the phone with him. Um, and they were coming to do like a CT scan, you know, and everybody was in there talking because he's going to go to get this procedure. Now I'm like, well, what's the point of getting the procedure if you already said that he has no sign of brain activity, you know? And I said, just stop. I just, I told him, stop. Everybody be quiet. Just stop. It's time. You know, it, it was time to let him go. It was truly time to let him go. He didn't want, mind you, we just talked about that. He didn't want to go through those procedures. He didn't want to go through that. Um, I just told them, what would things look like if we were to remove them off the machines? And they said that eventually he will stop breathing. Um, he will struggle for air. He will gasp for air for a little bit. And then he'll die. And everybody was kind of frantic, like the chatter in the room increased. And I told everybody, be quiet again, you know. And I said, we'll turn off the machines unless remove him from the medications and the uh, you know, everything. And breathing tube and everything and I had to sign this paperwork saying that I was agreeing to do this and um, we removed him from everything and he breathed his father was on the phone and I was on the phone and my mother was on the other side of his bed and I was there and we were begging for him to pull through begging for a miracle and uh, he gasped for air about eight times and then he took his last breath. Um, and for that moment, you know, we, we scream and cry, you know. But then in, inside of me, I thought about what my dad said, being happy, finding a way to be at peace with God's decision. And then I'm a firm believer of it is what it is, you know. Although I suffered from depression and um, stress and alcoholism and, you know, just severe depression after his death, thank God he pulled me through all of those things. But 
at that moment, I had to suck it up. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, and kind of not be strong for everybody else, but just be strong for myself in the moment because it is what it is. He's gone. And I had the sooner, I feel like the sooner I could accept that, the better I would, better quality of life I would have. And I, I'm still working on that. Um, but after that, you know, his face at first was kind of, you know, distorted. His lip was busted from falling on his face. And, uh, but eventually after they removed him from all of the tubing and everything, he naturally began to smile naturally he was smiling in his death that was his muscles natural reaction was to revert back to a smile and the look on his face was one that he did all the time he'll be like mom look at me I'm dead and he'll like stick his tongue out and cock his head to the side I'm like Calvin stop saying that you know and that was the exact face he had in his death. And it was, it was, it was a peaceful moment. Um, so we cleaned him up and washed him up. My friends were there, they're uh, a married couple. They're both ministers, pastors. <clears throat> and one of them actually worked at the hospital at the time. And uh, after I washed him, bathed him, and prepared to leave, you know, I discussed with them how they would remove his body from the room. And, you know, I told Benjamin that no one is to remove him, but you, and he did. Um, and we left and, um, yeah, I've never, I, I, I don't think I'll ever be the same. I'll never look at life the same, people the same, um, and not in a negative way either. So at first it used to be negative. I wanted to find somebody to blame. I was jealous of everybody with a child. I felt like anybody who even mentioned a child to me was trying to be funny, you know. Um, but I have more empathy towards people. I'm definitely more um, caring, you know and understanding I've always been caring and understanding but even more now because you just don't know what pe what pain people are experiencing behind closed doors you know have with me having this pain that I've never had before in my life and it hurting so bad I'm just more compassionate for people and their feelings and you know just being kind so that was that was the experience of um, him passing on. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to uh, relive. I'm not naive to think that, you know, it's easy to just relive one of the most difficult moments of your life. But I believe that sharing Gavin's story is going to be healing for someone, someone who's not been able to grieve up to this point. 
a heart parent who's just looking for the courage to make a difficult decision or just the strength to continue to carry on through all of the surgeries and the procedures. I feel that you sharing your story is going to help so many people in so many different ways. And there's something that you want to do. Uh, we talked about it briefly that you want to do in Gavin's legacy. And um, I made a promise to you that I was going to help you um, get that off of the ground. And I mean it, I'm absolutely going to do it um, to get you the guidance that you need. But talk to us about King of Hearts. What do you want that? What is that? First of all, what do you want it to look like? And what do you want Gavin's legacy to be through that? Thank you for uh, mentioning that. Um, King of Hearts is literally, I wanted to surround the king of the card, you know, King of Hearts. The ace is God, you know, but there's the king, the head of the house. And that's what Gavin was to me. You know, he was very, he had a very royal presence. Okay, he came into the room and he would shine. I mean, he left an impression on every person who would encounter him, you know, to the point where they call him Mr. Gavin. It wasn't just guess Mr., you know. And he, because of his royalty, that's where I thought of the King of Hearts um, foundation for Gavin. And I just want to be able to give back, extend myself emotionally and spiritually to families who are going through traumatic experiences with their children in the hospital um, with cardiac, um, you know, experiences or cardiac deficiencies. Um, you know, when I was in the hospital or when we were in a hospital with Gavin, we didn't have to worry about Christmas. I mean, we had Gavin had rather I got a couple gifts but I wasn't worried about that he had grade a toys as if they went to target and picked the toys right off the shelf I mean grade a toys tablets everything you know we had dinners we had gift bags I still like I'm in my office right now and I'm looking at Ronald McDonald bags um that I now keep his medical records in um just foundation bag so king of hearts would have their own bag and in that bag you would have socks toothpaste um coloring books you know short books to read or scriptures you know um we would get bags like that and it meant so much because imagine families are there 24 7 with their children and unable to work they don't have money you know they're depending on their partner and at the time it was just gavin and i and thank god you know, my boyfriend and I at the time had rekindled our love for each other and he was very supportive there for me every step of the way. But I want to be able to give families that support. On Wednesdays, different foundations would come to the hospital and bring pizza. You know, on, on a different day, they may bring sandwiches. And I just remember, you know, you, you may not always remember a person's name, but you never forget how they made you feel. And I believe that I stand on that. So I want, I try to make people feel great, you know, with me. And I remember going in there on a Wednesday to get some pizza hungry. And there was a mother in there and she said, this was in remembrance of her son. And I said, well, well what happened? And she explained the story. And she said, well, what's going on with your baby? And I explained my story. And 
she gave me this, she cried with me and she gave me this hug where when you're, you have a special needs child, you feel like nobody in your life understands. You know, they see it as inconvenience and um, stressful. You know, they don't see it as sacrifice or, you know, uh, a lifestyle is day, everyday life. They think, you know, you could just know it's everyday life is dedication. And so to have someone who could empathize and hug me the way that she did, it did something to me. Like, I would love to make families feel like they are understood, they're welcome, they have a safe space, you know, where they can be. And um, that's what King of Hearts would love to do for these families, you know, provide a safe space, provide some comfort with toiletries, provide comfort for the holidays with food or toys and just anything that we can do to donate um you know hopefully one day I'm, I pray that I can donate millions of dollars to um you know cardiac you know uh research that's that's the goal so just to be there any way that we can any way that we can I love that I love that um it is amazing to be able to turn pain into purpose. I actually just did a podcast episode about that, um, how we take some of the toughest situations of our lives and find purpose in them to help others' lives, to help others hopefully swim in the waters that we struggled to stay afloat in. And I know that doing this would be an amazing extension of Gavin's legacy. And I'm excited for you. I'm excited for what this is going to do. I believe it's going to be healing for you uh, and all of those um, who were privileged to know and to love Gavin. But it's going to be, I think, an even greater blessing to those who are currently going through um, what you've been through. You know what it's like to be in the hospital for extended periods of time, having to drop everything, not wanting to leave the hospital to go get something as simple as toiletries or clothes because you just don't know what the next moments hold. So I'm excited for you. I'm excited to get this going. And um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on to the Miracle Mama podcast, sharing your story and helping to keep Gavin's legacy alive. Um, I'm so excited for all that's going to come from this. And I am so proud um, of the strength that you have displayed. I don't know you well, but from what I have heard, from what I've seen, and we actually have a mutual friend. Hey, Essence, I know you're listening. Um, Thank you so much for this connection. But just the way that you have been able to not move on because I don't think you can ever move on, but move forward and carry his legacy with you through opportunities like this to share his story and to impact others' lives. It's not easy um, to be this vulnerable. It's not easy to relive the moment. So I want to thank you. And I appreciate you so much for your time, um, for giving of yourself emotionally, um, even to share this with us. I'm so grateful to have you here today. And I hope that you guys will take a moment to follow Tia. All of her information will be listed below where you can follow her and hopefully follow Gavin's story. 
and everything that's going to happen with King of Hearts. I'm very excited um, to see that get off of the ground and to help other families. If you are a parent of a heart warrior, leave some love below for Tia. If you're not a parent of a heart warrior and you just want to show her some love, leave a comment below. We'll make sure that she sees them all and that she feels the love and the support. Again, Tia, thank you so much for coming um, and for sharing your story today. So, so grateful to have you here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to share the story and possibly help someone. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to end the podcast like this. If you could say anything to a parent whose child has the hypoplastic left heart syndrome, who maybe the baby was just born, they don't really know what's ahead for them. What encouragement would you give them? I would encourage them to keep the faith and be knowledgeable about everything that you're, that's surrounding you. Just have faith. It will be all right. Speak life. Um, there is power in your words. So much power. Um, so speak life into your child. Believe that they can do it. And, you know, be that advocate. Stand in for your child and stand up if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't look right. Speak and open your mouth because you'd be shocked at how these doctors have gone to school for all this time and I made one suggestion to put his oxygen in his nose and it was the fix to the problem at the moment so you are your child's advocate and you also are your child they feed off your energy so if you give them bad energy now I'm not saying that you're not allowed to be sad but if you give them bad energy that does not help their sickness so have faith and speak life that's I feel like that'll go a long way Absolutely. Our words are powerful. We create our world with our words and being able to speak life, being able to um, maintain faith and knowing that all is going to be well. It may not um, turn the ways that we always wanted to turn, but ultimately I'm a firm believer that everything that happens is meant to happen and it's for a greater purpose. Thanks to the the bravery and um, the courage of Gavin, we're having this conversation and families are going to be touched. So I'm so grateful, so, so grateful uh, for you again coming on for learning of Gavin's story. It is one that I will never forget and I will always do my best to support um, any of the efforts that you do in his name because um, he has to be one of the most courageous kids I have ever I can't say known, but um, known of, and um, I've had the pleasure to meet his equally courageous mom. So I'm definitely blessed by this. So guys, I'm going to thank you so much for tuning into the Miracle Mama podcast. Um, thank you again um, for your, so your love, your support. Take a moment to rate, check out our website, miraclemamas.org. Follow us over on Instagram. You can follow my personal page at and she shall reign, or you can follow Miracle Mamas LLC on Instagram at Miracle Mamas LLC. All of the links will be listed below. Give us a follow. Let us know you listen to us. Also, don't forget to go follow Tia. Leave her a love note below. And until next time, guys, be safe, be good to one another, and keep your eyes open because miracles are all around you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.